Hey podcast, happy Thanksgiving and welcome back to TBT. Um, Before we get into the episode, just wanted to give a quick announcement for salon owners. This weekend, there's a virtual event happening uh, thrown by Nikki Lee, who is the founder of The Statements Project. She's a good friend of the podcast. You've probably heard her on here before. She's throwing an entire weekend class on the area of compensation. So we all know that compensation is way more than about money. It's about how to build your team, um, build your salon in the long term, and really create those long-term relationships and that culture. Um, It's about empowering your people to really fulfill their potential and giving them a career path so they can move up um, and feel like they're making progress throughout their entire career, which is which is really the goal of any business owner. Anyway, that said, listen, I'm going to stick a link to this class um, in the show notes today. So you can click that link. It'll take you directly to the page where you could find out more about this um, and sign up if you want to do that. Uh, the entire weekend will be recorded. So if you click the link, you sign up for the class, you get not only the entire weekend. Um, there will be people there like myself and John Palmieri. We'll be doing we'll be doing a segment on growing your team and getting them to um, achieve their goals so they can you know continue to level up through their career. We'll have a, a Chris Peden who is a CPA in the salon world. We'll also have um, well, obviously Nikki Lee will be speaking. We'll have. Um, Derek Hull, that's right, he's the guy, the awesome guy who during the pandemic started doing um, daily education every single night to the salon industry on beauty business reset. You can find them on Facebook. Anyway, I'm rambling. Listen, this is going to be a great event. Um, after you sign up, if you do, you get access to 32 online videos uh, that are a course. It's the total package on compensation, commissioning, how to get your team to grow to the next level. So anyway, again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, before we start the episode, I just wanted to jump on and tell you about a salon owner and manager four-day intensive workshop that we'll be hosting in Atlanta, February the 23rd through the 26th. Um, if you're really wanting to grow your business this year, maybe you've been feeling a little bit stuck, uh, just not really sure how to get there. Why don't you come join us for four days? It'll be, you know, Brian Purdue, John Palmieri, myself, other one, two, four, go team members. And what we'll be really doing is sharing the secrets of how Brian Purdue and the salon 124 group has grown from a four stylist single salon location to over six salons and uh, counting. We're we're still opening up locations, over 150 hairstylists and growing. Um, You know, most owners that open salons are hairdressers that opened a salon and just need a little bit of guidance to kind of learn the skills that it takes to really scale up your business. So this sounds interesting to you. Go ahead and email us at info at 124go.com and um, schedule a consultation and see if maybe this is something you want to do. So again, it's February 23rd through the 26th. Uh, get on it. We're only allowing 10 salons to attend this. So it's a limited space. Be a really focused, really intensive uh, four days. So hope to see you in Atlanta and enjoy the episode. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Something was said. Something was mm-hmm. done to us. And we start building our walls. And then something else happens. And we build them higher and higher. And then we start building them thicker and thicker. Yeah. But most people built them to protect themselves from mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And possibly from the fears, but usually from some sort of protection so they felt safe. Mm-hmm. And I, my philosophy on that is sometimes we build them so big, so strong, so thick that they're no longer a wall because now we're surrounded by them. And what's the biggest, strongest, safest place to keep people in? Mm-hmm. A jail. A prison. prison. Yeah. You ready to rock? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this sucker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleiman. And as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And we have had an incredible couple of days. You guys are probably sick of hearing this. Hey, guess where we're at? We are in Elcott City, still. Maryland. 
at Men- Mentor and Masters, Masters. Yep. Um, being held by Nikki Lee and Gino Stempore. Incredible. Yep. Day two yep. started out with an incredible um, today by Paul DeGrigley. Paul DeGrigley. Mm-hmm. DeGrigley. He was absolutely incredible. Um, got the day started off, and it's just, I mean, we've been on fire here. Um, and just like yesterday, we have some an incredible gentlemen sitting in front of us. I guess that's not just like yesterday, because yesterday it was almost all ladies. And Gino, <laughs> if you can count Gino. As a gentleman. Right. <laughs> uh, but we're sitting here with a guy who we're just having the opportunity to get to meet. And this morning we were able to catch a few minutes over breakfast. And we say this all the time as yep. we get started. You you just don't know who you're going to meet as a, in the hair world, mm-hmm. in the hair industry. And you can be impressed on top of impressed on top of impressed on top of impressed when you hear the stories of people that are in our industry that you may or may not ever hear of um that are just really hitting the bricks making a difference and really making the industry better so the gentleman we're sitting in front of right now mr mr oscar valencia yes sir um is you've been around for a while. I've been hearing your name for a while, all in a good space. You've got a little bit of a legacy of you've been educating for a long time. And I'm Correct. actually really excited to hear more about your story. One thing I do know is you you're, you have a consulting company now or a, or a seminar company right now. What's the name of that again? Breaking Down Your Walls is the name of my company. Breaking Down Your Walls. And we just we just can't wait to discuss that a little bit. So first mm-hmm. of all, welcome, Oscar. And thank you for being here with us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure and honor. And oh, my God, what an amazing two days we've, we're into right now. Mm-hmm. You know, as a trainer and facilitator of information, just like we're all receiving yeah. here, I always say, who inspires the inspirers? Yeah. And I just needed to get filled up big time because yeah. I was kind of in a dark space, I lost my dad about a year and a half ago. Mm. I lost my best friend in July, mm. and I needed the light again. Yeah. So I really was excited to be part of this program mm-hmm. and to come kind of fill me up again yeah. and rejuvenate. And it's been hitting the mark on every Yeah, level. it's a Gino said something yesterday, and it was great. He said, you know, we're just a flame mm-hmm. and the, a, a leader's job. And I think everybody's a leader, right? I think that term gets beat, beat up a little bit is to just walk around and when somebody's flame has gone, to be the flame, Pass to walk the around, and when so, I see somebody's flame has gone out, I like that flame. I love I, that. We just thought that was beautiful. That was a great analogy. So John, I mean, there's a million different ways after we talked with Oscar this morning we mm-hmm. can take this, but I know there's a few things we want to drill down on. So how do you want to start this conversation out? Well, we're going to start in my favorite place, which is I always love to know how people got into the industry. I always find that an interesting story. And it talks a lot about, you know, who you are as a person and, and importantly, how you got here. So, Oscar, how'd this happen to you? What happened? How'd I end up in the hair business? Yeah, what hap- how'd, that, how'd that happen to you? <laughs> well, I was born into it, literally. Mm-hmm. My dad's a stylist and uh, was. And um, I was, before that, he was a milkman. So I'm truly the milkman's son that you've heard about. <laughs> <laughs> and he started cosmetology school at 38 years old with three kids at home. And I was a newbie. Wow. Wow. And came out of school where mm-hmm. most people might go assist somewhere mm-hmm. or go work at a Supercuts or that type of thing for speed mm-hmm. and technique. He came out of school and bought a salon with zero clientele. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you got three kids at home to feed, all you can do is hustle. And that was his model. And fast forward many years later, my sister got into it. My brother got into it. I didn't necessarily want any part of it. My dream was to play professional baseball Mm -hmm. as a kid. And I was blessed enough to be good. And I got even better. And then one day, I got drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates when I was in college. And they say, if you want to hear God laugh, just tell them your plan. Well, (laughs) I ended up sharing my rotator cuff that next year. And that was kind of the beginning Mm -hmm. of the end of the baseball. Mm -hmm. So I really felt it was time for me to – I was in college for marketing. But my dad started talking about retiring and selling the business and the building. And my sister, who worked for him, wanted no part of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you can't let the family business go. Not like I had a huge desire to be a part of it, but it was just this thing that was there my whole life. So three weeks later, I dropped out of college and entered cosmetology school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just wanted to hold on to that family business at some point for some reason. I didn't even know the reasons at the time because I was not good in hair and it wasn't this burning desire. Right. Yeah, yeah. You just wanted not to let the family lose something. Kind of, I guess. You know, talk about that a little bit. Your dad was, you said a milkman? Yes, sir. And at 37? 38, he he started cosmetology. How does that happen? Right. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know that I'd wake up at 38 and say, you know, I mean, I'm trying to be silly, right? I think I'll quit the milk business and go be a hairdresser. You know, how, well, he's literally, he was, he's never worked for anybody in his life. Yeah. He was self-employed from the time he was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And 
um, his his sister mm-hmm. and an aunt for some reason said you should be you should do hair. Huh. <laughs> for whatever reason, he yeah. listened, and then he was passionate, mm-hmm. and he loved it. And he, he'll always say he was never the greatest hairdresser by any means, mm-hmm. but he built amazing relationships. Mm-hmm. So, so what's what's interesting, you know, as you were sitting here five minutes ago, I told you you remind me a lot of my brother. <laughs> you guys have similar birthdays. Mm-hmm. My dad came out of the army, uh, you know, and his sister told him to go to hair school. Yeah, and so. He went because he had a GI Bill and they were going to pay for school. And we're talking about this is in the 50s Correct. or six, maybe early 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's interesting as we meet people in the industry, whether, you know, there's always a part of our story that mm-hmm. has a similarity, you know, and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean we started the same way. But Correct. it's like and hairdressing families tend to start legacies like that. It's uh-huh. interesting how you fell into it well my brother when he got into it he went so my dad was milkman yeah. into hair my brother went from the marines to hair mm-hmm. right. and i went from the pittsburgh pirates to hair yeah. all natural transitions yeah. of course yeah they just segue right into the other uh, i want to talk about this a little bit more if i was to ask your dad what is it about hairdressing why was this why did he have such a passion for it because um, you know we lived that legacy youth i'm getting to the point here you decided you couldn't let this go, yeah. right? So obviously your dad shared with him, with you what was important, why it was important to him, you know, why he felt such a passion for it. So share that with us. What if if you if we were to sit down and talk to your dad and said, why was this the coolest thing you ever did? What would he say? Um, he's always just been a giver and a and a and taking care of people, mm-hmm. and I guess this really gave him the platform to do so at a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. I remember my first week after graduating to get my license, he dropped what I th- at the time I thought were bombs. Now I look at them as they were diamonds. Sure. And he said he said some great things to me, but he used to say this thing, son. In our business, we get instant gratification like every thirty, sixty to ninety minutes. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Yeah, what do you mean? He yeah. goes, you know, you finish a client, you finish a haircut, and there's gratification there. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't get it. He goes, think about an architect. You know, they get hired to do a job. It starts off as a conversation, then it goes into some planning, then it goes mm-hmm. into some blueprints and permits and break ground. He goes, it could be two or three years before they mm-hmm. get that gratification. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when I was like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. now I really get that perspective. Mm-hmm. The other person that gets instant gratification is the person on the receiving Correct. end. Right. And you get to watch and experience that happen. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this morning, um, Paul, mm-hmm. you know, pointed out really graciously in, a, in the type, I think we hear it all the time. You change lives. You affect lives. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can hear it so much that we tune it out. Yeah, Correct. tune it out. Yeah. Like yeah. we deflect it. He was able to dig down on that and have us in a place where I think the entire, I watched the entire room receive it. Correct. And when you get a hairdresser, it's usually one in a hundred or one in, you know, 50 that really can own that. Mm-hmm on a daily and they create that relationship mm-hmm. they're sure to book they're a surefire shoe in to become a rock star hairdresser because they develop such loyalty and like the the purpose piece is there and if you're listening i guess my my point is is like you you are really changing people correct you know when they sit in your chair and the touch part that you said and you know we we, we all make jokes about it and kid about it but the reality is john says this sometimes is you know most people are, are at such an emotional place where they're mm-hmm. they're a, they're the right shoulder touch away from a good cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And we wow, well said. <laughs> probably sit. We probably watch people cry. You know, mm-hmm. if if you're a great hairdresser, you see mm-hmm. it a couple times a year mm-hmm. where somebody will sit down, yep. look at themselves, and appreciate what you did so much mm-hmm. that the water comes out. Correct. Right. You know, and so it really it's just it's just such a good reminder. It's an honor mm-hmm. and a huge responsibility yeah. because, like you just said, some people are so vulnerable. We don't know what they, happened to them along the way right. or last week or last month or what they're going through. Right. And they're going to tell us because they tell us everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just I honored that after I grew up a little bit. Mm-hmm. When I was 22, I, you know, I didn't really get it. Sure. But by the time I was 25, 26, it really started to sink in a little bit mm-hmm. as to what we are and what we provide for the world. Yeah. yeah. I had a great haircutting, uh, hairdressing teacher who taught me that um, when I finished school, what I would have would be a license to touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always remember, and I never forgot that. You know, you are, we are getting you a license to touch people. Yeah. Um, and of course, 
at the time I was, you know, my early 20s, so I thought she meant just being able to physically touch you, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, in hindsight, there was much more to it, right? right. Um, and so I, I've never forgot those words. They, they always resonate in my head. I have a license to touch. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, um, you know, what's great about your journey is that you had that legacy, you know, and Chris has that in common with you. His family, he comes from a family of hairdressers. Um, so you start this journey. You decide that um, you're going to go into the family business because you can't let it go. And then you kind of morphed into education along the way, right? Um, and so tell us about that journey, that transition. How did that happen for you? So when I was in school, probably halfway through, I think I had this desire to want to be an educator and platform artist. But there was no like book and blueprint on how to do that. Nobody told me how to do it. Well, fast forward several years later, after I got my license, I was in the industry. By chance, mm-hmm. I, ru- I ended up meeting the Western Regional Director of Education for L'Oreal Professional. And we got to talking. We were actually in a country western store, and I'm looking at boots, and she's looking at boots, and I ended up selling her two pair of boots, right? She was looking at one, she left with two. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was good at sales. And, but she's like, oh, my God, you'd be so good in our industry. I'm like, what's your industry? She goes, I'm in the hair industry. I said, so am I. She goes, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, seriously. She goes, you're hired. And this, one, I think, was like on Tuesday. On sure. Friday, I was literally hired by L'Oreal. Wow. And so I went through their training program as a colorist. I became a master colorist and educator and platform artist for them for several years. And then fast forward several years later, I kept hearing about this business education program in San Diego where I was from. And so I participated in it. And then I went to work for that company, Inspiring Champions, back then, and helped take this company from a little San Diego-based company. And I went to work with Lauren Gartland and eventually became her vice president. And we took this company national and had no idea what the heck we were doing. Mm -hmm. We were literally breaking the path because there wasn't a whole lot doing what we were doing 22 and 23 years ago. So we were finding our way and making it up and turned it into a multi-million dollar company. And then about five years ago, we parted ways, and that's when my company started to really evolve. You know, I had my product that I created called The Bricks about 12 years ago, mm-hmm. but that was just a thing. And then from that, it evolved to become Breaking Down Your Walls as a company, coaching, consulting. Now, you've got a great story behind that. You had to tell the story about you basically had a dream. I literally had a dream. You, and you manifested that dream. So tell us about that. So about 12, I guess, years ago or so, I must have been pondering before I fell asleep as to what stops us in life. And in my dream, I had this big object that was off in the distance that started moving closer and clearer to me. Mm -hmm. And as it got closer, I could tell that it was a wall. And in my mind, I'm like, yes, our walls stop us, of course. Mm -hmm. And then it kept moving towards me, and it was a brick wall I could see. And in my dream, the bricks had words on it, commitment, consistency, action, follow through, love, dedication, understanding, happy joy. All these words were like popcorn going off. I jumped out of bed. It was 3.18 on a Tuesday morning. I looked at my mm-hmm. clock. I run upstairs to my office, and I get my flip chart paper, start making all these lines and squares, mm-hmm. and writing all these words down that are in my head from my dream. And 30, 40 minutes later, I was kind of out of words. So I go to my inspirational library, you know, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, any book I could find, I just start opening books and sure. grabbing some words. And I fill these boxes. Mm-hmm. And then when I completed filling them in, I counted them, and there were 90. And the first title that popped in my head was Turn Your Life Around 180 Degrees in 90 Days. I'm already going to solutions. I didn't even know what the <laughs> heck I had yet. It was a piece of paper. Fast forward a couple years later, I really didn't do anything with it. It was folded up. I moved to a different house. I unfolded it, and I'm having a staring contest with this thing in my office. I taped it up. I'm like, okay, just let this come to me. i got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to start to play with it and start to get some feedback from some people. I got a graphic artist, and we were able to make them um, the bricks. So it looks Mm -hmm. like a brick on the outside. Mm -hmm. On the back, it has the word, a definition, and an inspirational quote on Mm -hmm. each one of those. Mm -hmm. And so my my ritual every day to break down my walls is I flip three bricks. I have them in my office on a three foot by four foot Mm -hmm. magnetic board, whiteboard. Mm -hmm. And I flip three. I look at the words. I study the words. I see how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. How can I use these words to create positive actions in my day? And then I do what's called creating my hashtag power sentence. Mm -hmm. And that's where I create my intention for my day at six or seven in the morning versus I think most of us tend to be reflective on our day at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Like, oh, my God, what a great day. Or, oh, my God, what Mm -hmm. a day. And everything in between. Mm -hmm. But I'm a true believer that, you know, with intention, you have a way better chance of getting to that finish line than just default. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's how it evolved as the product mm -hmm. and the dream. And it's, I just, I had a, another mentor and trainer. Her name's Marsha Weeder. Oprah used to call her America's dream coach. Mm -hmm. She's about 4'11", little Jewish woman that is 10 foot larger than life, right? And I took one of her programs one time. She goes, what happens sometimes when we're in dream mode is we go to solution mode too quickly and we squelch the dream before it's developed. So that always stuck with me. So right. I just let it this I let this thing marinate for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved to when it was time to do my company, it was not only my bricks, it became, you know, my foundation, which is coaching and consulting on the business side for the salons mm -hmm. and spas. And then I started to realize that for all these years that I've been going into salons and doing business education, mm -hmm. even after they came through Inspiring Champions three day um, champ camp. Mm -hmm that the systems were diluted down four and six months later. There was remnants of the program, but it wasn't there in its designed form. Mm -hmm. And as, as that happened over and over and over and over for a few years, I'm like, what's the common denominator in each one of these instances? And for me, it always came down to observing the team, mm -hmm. the people, the personnel. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, you have umpteen years of team experience. Mm -hmm. All I've ever known was teams my whole life and how to be on them and how to co-create them and how to be the captain, how to be the new guy, mm -hmm. how to be the rookie, how to be the veteran, and everything in between. So I'm like, okay, that's what keeps happening. It's these same people who are a team that are not a team. Right. And so I put together a two-day team-building workshop that I think, I know for a fact, nobody in the industry has anything like it. Mm -hmm. And I literally melt people's minds with connects and Legos and tarps and sticks. Mm -hmm. And... They literally drive every debrief after every activity as to how this applies to their business, to their life, et cetera. Right. And I just facilitate. But then I put Humpty Dumpty back together again before I leave on day two. Mm -hmm. And the byproduct of that live program becomes amazing, high detailed communication. Mm -hmm. We all talk, but none of us communicate at a level that we could. Mm -hmm. And so they really start to understand the value of extreme communication, of getting to these fine details. Mm -hmm. There's huge trust that you build in these two-day workshops. Um, and you know then what, Oscar, you got yes. so much yeah, stuff there. Yeah, yeah, we want to start I'm to I'm stop okay. you guys for a second, only because I want to make sure we dig into some of yeah. this okay. stuff. Is Certainly. that okay? So the first thing I want to dig into is... It, I always find it interesting that people, I, I shouldn't say interesting, but I'm going to use your metaphor. We, we hit these walls, yep. right? So we hit these walls in our lives. We hit these walls in our careers. We hit these walls in our personal lives. Some people manage to get over those walls. Correct. Some people <laughs> barrel through them and knock them down with a sledgehammer. And some people, and maybe too many people, stop there. They never seem to get past that. Well, here's my so, take on that. Yeah, so to, to that point... You're working with this program. You've built this, you know, Breaking Down Your Walls program. You put these cards together. Talk a little bit about that. What are the things that you see that help people break down those walls that get to the other side to be the person and have the life that they want? Perfect. We Thank you. There? So as I observe mm -hmm. people and mm -hmm. their walls that they build, we all have them and we've all built them. Mm -hmm. And if you, when we use that as a metaphor, we understand probably why those walls were built. And if I was to ask you, mm -hmm. when you know people who have walls, what is it that you think helped build their, why they built their walls? More often than not, I think it's always fear-based. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And what would you say, Chris? Yeah, it's an event that created fear that I've put a meaning behind that I've decided to keep that meaning going yeah. forever. Mm -hmm. Something happens, something was said, something was mm -hmm. done to us, and we start building our walls. And then something else happens, and we build them higher and higher. And then we start building them thicker and thicker. Yeah. But most people built them to protect themselves from mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. and possibly from the fears, but usually from some sort of protection so they felt safe. Mm -hmm. And I, my philosophy on that is sometimes we build them so big, so strong, so thick, that they're no longer a wall because now we're surrounded by them. And what's the biggest, strongest, safest place to keep people in? Mm -hmm. A jail. A prison. prison. Yeah. Yeah. So now we've become a prison to those walls that we built to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's where the bricks I really use to help people control and manage their thoughts and their beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's said that we have up to 70,000 thoughts per day, mm -hmm. but 80% of our thoughts are, are negative. Order. Mm -hmm. And 90% of our thoughts are the same, same ones we had yesterday. yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that's just, when I started researching that and understanding that, it just blew me away. So I think this is a great tool and resource for people to be able to support them. We're in ebbs and flows all day long. Mm -hmm. It's okay to hit that valley, but just don't stay there. 
And that's why you can state change with these bricks to be able to move through. Is it bad that 50 to 60,000 of my thoughts every day are about motorcycles? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 70,000 of them are possibly about no, motorcycles. 56 but of them. It, but it does explain why you have five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's called passion. Absolutely. Um, so um, I, I love this. It's a great topic, mm-hmm. and thanks for leading that direction because we, you know, we needed to go there, and we love to give people meat. And mm-hmm. that first piece, lately, this is coming up a lot. We yeah. just had Sarah Harvey on. Mm-hmm. She's um, She was the lead. Uh, she was the CEO, COO for Deepak Chopra Center wow. in San Diego Correct. for 14 yeah. years. Yeah. La Jolla. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, La Jolla. Yeah. And she, when we asked her, you know, how does somebody start to get a handle on things? Mm-hmm. One of the first things she says is you have to think about what you think about. Correct. And most of our thoughts are autotom. They're happening automatically, right? Because they've been programmed. Mm-hmm. And then we create this ideology of what our life is, right? And then we live it. Absolutely. And under based on those rules. Mm-hmm. So there's that. If you're a hair school kid listening, right? That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great place to start. If you're a like me, a 40-something and listening, it's a great place to start, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Either way, you know, we need to identify that stuff. Um, I want to know what you had to break down <laughs> and break through to start your business. Some of us are afraid to start things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I just want to know what was the challenge that you kind of had to overcome to make well, this happen. I don't know what the hell I was doing, first of all. And yeah. I was just kind of making up as go along. I had the idea, I had a concept, but I didn't know how to build a company yeah. mm-hmm. in that regard. And I, I would say my things that stopped me were fear, um, probably procrastination at times, yeah. not knowing what to do next. In the early year of my, fir- of my company, the first year, there was a five-day period and a seven-day period, two opposite weeks, where I was literally curled up on the couch not knowing what to do next. Mm-hmm. And I was probably too proud to call anybody for help. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And I froze. And I didn't take my own medicine as far as going to my bricks that could change my state of being Mm -hmm. in a second. And I struggled and I got deeper and down and then I finally bounced and got a little bit of help. And then I just got some more energy and just kept plowing through it. So I knew my wall was literally in my face and that that would become an important aspect of Mm -hmm. how I coached others along the way. Mm But you just you're either going to stay behind that prison or you're going to find a way through it, over it, around it, or whatever. Yeah. Second question I want to ask you to follow up, and then I see John's brain working too, <laughs> is um, you talked about teams. I just I want to say this in case somebody listening isn't a sports fan and okay. doesn't really have a team mm-hmm. background. Correct. A lot of, we're meeting a lot of homeschooled yeah. people. Yeah, now. A lot more homeschooled people now are coming into the industry, and honestly. You know, while they're incredibly intelligent, they've spent most of their childhood with adults. Correct. They're smarter than me, usually. <laughs> um, the They just haven't formed rules around socialization yet. And so, I, you know, if you get drafted to a professional baseball team, what I want to say is you know how to play on a team better than everyone, <laughs> better than every person listening, because those types, to get even to that level, and to be introduced to that level, most people do, will never have the ability to do. It's a you know, there's some physical gifts that come along with the the mindset. So, to you, what is a team, and why is that important? Mm. In our world, in the salon and spa industry, I think it's missing to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And especially as the years go by, I find everybody becomes very individual. Mm-hmm. And I think social media has had an impact on that. We're all kind of living in our own little glass house, which is the perfect house on social media, right? Sure. <laughs> and it's pretty. Yeah. Don't throw rocks, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's just hugely important because we need that concept to, you know, when I look at my sports, there was days I was off. Mm-hmm. And we still won a game. I might have been the MVP of the team many times and captain or whatever, but I'm not on 100% 100 times. And so who picks you up sometimes? Somebody has to step it up. And in the business world, I think it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We can't be 100% 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so having that environment, having that nurturing, having the understanding of what it takes to be a team, which I don't think many do understand that. So what is it? What's a team? (laughs) What's a team? I think it's having an understanding that everybody – 
knows their responsibility, has been trained very well, but practices. And I don't think we do that enough. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at sports teams, for football instance, they practice six days a week to play one game a week. Mm -hmm. And we play every day our game called working every day, but we don't practice. And that's why I think it's important to really dive in there to the team where the team becomes one. We're Mm -hmm. a unit. And I'm okay if you drop the ball because I'm right behind you to pick that up. Mm -hmm. And vice versa for me. Mm -hmm. And you can go be an individual when you clock out. Mm -hmm. But right here, right now, we all need this. And I don't think everybody understands their role on what happens if they don't do it mm-hmm. on the jobs not as good. They, you might have completed something, but it's not as good as it could have been without that whole team and yeah. involvement. I, I think one of the ways I like to think of team, and this was shared to me by somebody else, and I'm stealing it from him. Eric, thank you. Um, is he always said that we're polite and we, we, we misunderstand politeness for teamwork. Yeah. Meaning if I need help and I come and ask you, you'll help me. Yeah. If I need help with the shampoo or a blow dryer, I'm running behind and I say, hey, Oscar, will you give me a hand? You'll say yes. That's not teamwork. That's just, that's just being polite. Correct. Um, teamwork is getting you that shampoo before you ask. Correct. Getting that blow dry before you even know you need it. Yeah. Giving you a hand before you have to come running and ask Which for is it. training. Right. Which is training. Which is practice. Correct. What does that look like? Um, I think we've all are very polite people, but we've lost the idea that politeness is not the same as teamwork. Yeah, we're so so busy being in the game every day, especially as owners, that we just don't think we can hit pause and time out, so to speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a day or two to practice. Right. And you know, we're we're fear of losing however many thousands of dollars in those couple of days, but you're not looking at what you can gain and grow on the mm-hmm. back end of that over time. Mm-hmm. I have one more follow up question. Yeah. What's a coach's responsibility? To create team, a coach's responsibility is to, I think, manage everything going on. They have to see everything and every player. They have to put the right people in the right position. Not everybody can be a quarterback. Not everybody can be a pitcher. Not everybody can Mm -hmm. be a catcher. You have to find and develop those talents within those specific spots. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the coach has to just be that facilitator. They're not. They're not on the field anymore. And that was a huge. That was a huge mental thing for me because there was always this phrasing. Those who can do and those who can't coach. I resisted becoming a coach in this industry for seven years because of that sentence in my head. Sure. And I didn't realize the value I could bring to the people into this industry Mm -hmm. by putting out my experiences to support them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really taking a backseat to the Mm -hmm. ego Mm -hmm. to be able to build other people's um, confidence, to cheer them on, to discipline them, to call them out on their stuff. If you're not performing at the highest level, you might get benched for a while and let somebody else step up. And there's so many nuance, I think, to coaching. But you almost shouldn't be seen. It should just be happening. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I think, you know, we've kind of done ourselves that injustice, not only, you know, you said about coaching, but also about teaching, you know, our hair our hair cosmetology instructors, mm. you know, what do we say? Oh, they couldn't do hair, so they went up and worked at a school, right? And then, of course, well, what do we get in the result? We, we in our minds, right, have this idea that the people at the school couldn't do hair, and now they're teaching people. No wonder our students aren't coming out very well. And I want to make it very clear that's not true. Correct. Okay, but isn't that the mindset we've created for ourselves, right? I I'd say yes and no. Mm-hmm. I believe it's not true globally mm-hmm. and for everybody, but I think there is definitely pockets of that. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact several people that I do know went into it for the safety of the paycheck. Mm-hmm. And they just couldn't get it together behind the chair to build enough business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happened because of their instructors to a certain degree. Sure. But I know plenty of instructors. I have great friends with great schools, and I go to these schools, and I work mm-hmm. with these schools. So I observe them, and I know mm-hmm. for a fact you're correct. Mm-hmm. They're powerful. They're strong. They were talented. But they have such a servant's heart that they want to give it back to the beginning instead of the middle and the end. Right. And so they're taking it back to the student, and I have mad respect for that. Yeah. I did a mentorship program with a school in Lewiston, Idaho years ago when I was first starting my Breaking Down Your Walls company. And I spent about a year there off and on for anywhere from five to 14 days at a time, three or four times in a year. And I was just passionate about helping these kids. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of their instructors. Sure. I was there to work with their new director who was not from the industry and created a whole education program for her to support the school. 
But when I was there, I'm, next thing I know, I'm on the floor and I'm helping kids right. with haircuts and color. And it was just a great time. And it kind of spoke to me like, you could do this. Yeah. <laughs> and what? it wasn't because I didn't make it behind the chair. Mm-hmm. You know, my body broke down behind the chair. Mm-hmm. And what they never told me in cosmetology school was it's not if, it's when your body will break down. Right. I think that needs to be lesson one when we start out mm-hmm. in cosmetology school anymore. Because yeah. I think we do have a finite window of opportunity to make ours mm-hmm. in this industry. And I think it's important for us to really understand that you know, you may not be able to do this till you're 60, 70 years old. Mm-hmm. It's a hard damn job. Right. Standing all day long. People think it's easy. Mm-hmm. Try it. Yeah. You give me 14 days, 14 hour days, 14 days in a row, and then right. come talk to me. Yeah. And so it's hard physically. I think you have to really maintain, take care of yourself, take care of your body, take care of your mind. And going back to the school thing, I respect these instructors more than I really thought I did because I did have that story as well that they all were that. And I gave them the whole global statement, but now I know for sure that they're not. They work their asses off. So, you know, you've gone through this process of helping people kind of, you know, define their prison, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, how to get out of that. Um, And yet you've also been able to, you know, think about what leadership looks like. You talked about communication, um, which is always a big buzzword for me. Talk about that a little bit. How, How did that why did you see there was a need for that? Because obviously you felt as though, hey, here's an area I can help. Let me do this. Well, how did that happen? Like, what what triggered you to say this is an area I can help in? This is an area to support industry. people with their communication. Uh, no, leadership as a whole. I think oh, okay. Leader, I think communication is part of that. Correct. Right. Um, but obviously, you saw a need, and I, you know, I say this because I think we all see. Um, all of us who are attending this conference see a need for leadership in this industry. Yeah. What did you see? Why, why did you think that was important? You know, we get emotional. Wow. I watched my dad work his ass off, mm-hmm. and he did it the hard way. And I didn't know my dad probably until I was like seven years old. Where I knew who he was, but he was working so many hours. He was gone in the morning before I woke up as a little boy, mm-hmm. and he came home long after I went to bed at night. So he was just some guy sleeping in my mom's bed as far as I knew. And then he started, I I was a little older and he was cutting back a little bit, but he did it. He didn't know anything besides hustle Mm -hmm. and, and that work ethic that he had. And so to make that long story shorter, even though it's a really powerful story, I want to support people to do it better, more efficient. Mm -hmm. And it requires some leadership and guidance. And I think they're hungry for it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think we're in an industry where we have million dollars in passion, but the average people's making $24,000 a year, mm-hmm. and that's not okay with me. Mm-hmm. And so if I can help one, two, five, five thousand, whatever the number becomes, to understand there are better ways of doing, but it takes systems, it takes great communication skills. So you have to learn those things, and you have to find the resources that have them to support you, mm-hmm. because you just don't have the whole, you don't have a million years to, to get there. Right. You do have a window, and you got to make it happen. You have to make it happen fast. If you um, if you were to kind of put together the top reasons why salons reach out to you, what are what are the biggest challenges you see them coming to you and and asking you about? Can you help with this? And I, I get teamwork and communication, but you know that that sort of those are sort of the answers. Yeah. Um, but what's the what's the what questions manifest that as an answer? You know, I think the, the top three that come to me are: we need more money, we need more clients, and or I need more personnel or better personnel. Mm-hmm. And so, in you know, doing some sort of consultation with them to find out what their wants, needs, desires, and challenges are, you know, it takes a give and take of questions and answers to find out what their specific problems are. So I think people have seeked me out over the years to a certain degree because I guess I have a little bit of a reputation by now, mm-hmm. and they know me as a resource. I've been on the show circuit for 20-plus years, speaking at all the shows around the country. So you develop a little bit of a following, and then people reach out to you. You know, some people are that have sat in my class four and five years ago were an employee of somewhere else, sure. and now they're reaching out because they're ready to open their own salon, mm-hmm. and they don't really have the full idea on how to do so or what mm-hmm. to do next. And, and people... I think people pick people that they relate to or they just vibe with. Mm-hmm. There's 10 people in this room that do what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. But sure. people will find that personality match that fits for right. them. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm a fit for some people. I think people have said, I'm so authentic. You know, like what you see is what you get with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to keep it real. In my presentations at shows, I'm like, you know, I'm a certified coach, trainer, team building specialist, and truth teller. 
And so I literally say, do I have permission to tell you the truth? And mm -hmm. it's not always pretty. Mm -hmm. But I think it's necessary to go wherever you want to go. So, um, you know, one of the things we love to do is give a little bit of meat and, and some lessons. I mean, I think in just replaying this, there's so many moments that you've I'll had. Have to, I'll have to listen way. to it so I can yeah, hear them. No. <laughs> and they're, and they're, you know, they're, well, they're the type of moment that you bump up against where you have to make a decision. Correct. And yesterday we were on with Tracy Robinson mm -hmm. and she had a moment. It was a very big moment. Mm -hmm. And she could either decide that I'm going to do this or not. Um, what, so, so there's that. And that's woven all throughout this conversation. If you were to give, you know, the top three or your five. So obviously we're not going to be able to take your seminar here and you're not going to be able to give it here. <laughs> of course. But, you know, what, what are some bullets or some processes or some action steps that you uh, would guide owners who are maybe curious on how do I do better to do? And obviously there's a lot of subjectiveness inside of that. And it's, a, you know, it's a deeper conversation. But what are, what are some of those top? You know, I think in this world of artists, it's not enough to just be an artist anymore. You know, I remember my dad saying, you know, you're, you're a strong color, son. You're a good cutter, but it's not enough. And this was 25 years ago. He goes, you have to learn the business. And I think as artists that become owners, many owners that I know for a fact were a successful stylist that made some money and then decided that they could do it different or better than their current owner. Or I don't like these shampoo bowls or the floor or the mirrors. I'm going to go do my thing. Or I'm making $120,000 a year now. I could be an owner. One does not equate to ownership and leadership. So I think that, you know, that's a huge missing. And I think that you really need to, before you open your doors, if you want to do so, is you have to learn what the, you know, the benchmarks are of the industry. You have to understand the numbers and what they mean to the business. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge missing. Because every time I run into a, a challenge salon, mm -hmm. it comes down to the money. It comes down to the numbers. So... Finance is really important, and, and of course, you're singing our song here because we 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 love that because the, it, it is such a huge missing piece. I mean, here's the here's the facts: we're not taught finance and beauty school. Correct, it doesn't happen. Correct, right? and you're certainly not going to learn finance cutting 50 heads ahead of it a week. It doesn't happen then either. Absolutely. Right? So where are you going to learn this? Um, so you know, one of the things that you talk about is communication, and I'm going to say to you, well, Oscar, you know, I communicate all the time. I talk to my staff every day. I talk to customers every day. But we both know that talking isn't the same as communication. Correct. Why is that such a struggle for us as salon owners and business owners? And, and why is it important? Well, a, we're probably not taught how to communicate. We're taught how to talk. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and we're taught how, not, how, not how to listen, but kind of listening, waiting to talk. Sure. So I talk about the three levels of listening. Level one is what we call distracted listening. Mm -hmm. Distracted listening is when somebody's talking and you're in your thought waiting for them to have a hiccup, a comma, a stop, a sneeze, whatever, because right. you're jumping in, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So that's distracted listening. Level two listening is what I call focused listening, and I'll come back to that in just a second. Level three is global listening. And that's when, and this is very what happens in, in a salon and spa environment, especially a salon. Mm -hmm. You know, global listening is you hear the, the blow dryers going all around you. You're having a conversation with your client. You hear the conversation in the chair next to you. Mm -hmm. You hear the door swinging. You hear the cash register ringing. You're hearing the telephone ring. And all these other sounds are going on all over the place. And you're distracted. Mm -hmm. And then level two is called focused listening. Mm -hmm. And focused listening is you might have be able to relate to the story for everybody that's listening. You might be on a date with a significant other and you roll into a restaurant that's packed and you sit down, you get seated, you might order your food and drinks and then you just dive in with your partner and you start talking and you're so right there mm -hmm. to the point that, you know, it's a great exchange. It's talking, it's listening, it's exchange, it's back and forth. And you're so dialed in that an hour later you look up and the restaurant emptied. And you never even saw anybody leave. Right. And that's and when you know that th those three levels, especially mm -hmm. when you know focus is where you'd want to be. Right. When you can identify what level you're in, you can consciously try to bring yourself back. And when you're in focused listening, that's when you can communicate. And is that just the nature of our business that it's so hard to get to that too? Because I think we can maybe do that with our guests. Yeah. And then I say maybe because sometimes we're in it. Yeah. Sometimes we're not. But as a leader and I'm behind the chair, and I'm working, and even if I'm not behind the chair, and I'm yeah. doing everything else that requires my business to run, I'm going to assume it's, 
I guess I know. I'm not even going to assume. <laughs> I know it's really hard to get to there, isn't it's it? It's a muscle you have to develop. Yeah. And until you're aware, until you know what you don't know, mm -hmm. and now people know that, right. that they can try to monitor where they're at at any given time. And over weeks and months, you'll start to really captivate yourself. You're like, oh my God, I'm in level three. Boom, I'm coming back to two. And so how do you help people get that focus? Like what, are, what would be a, a methodology for helping them get there? Is repeating back what you heard mirroring. for people, yeah. mirroring yeah. and understanding so they know you know. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, there's this world of assumptions. And that's, you know, when you look at anything, any redo that comes into a salon mm -hmm. is usually from a lack of communication. Right. And so what made that happen and how can we fix it? And I think that's where your consultations have to be just really dialed in and have to be so strong with the questions you ask. Right. I think you have to repeat back the information they gave you in their words so they know you, they feel heard. Mm -hmm. You know, I, from what I understand and my experience has been two reasons that clients leave you is they didn't feel heard or listened to mm. or inconsistency. Yeah. Right. I want to add to this a little bit because, again, I mean, John just said it, you're speaking our language and we love this stuff. I had a girlfriend, no, believe it or not, did. at yeah. one time. When was that? Yeah. The it's war. been a long time. The war. Um, and she was, her Her dad was an in, incredibly successful salesperson. Um, they, in fact, they built a business selling Mack trucks. Okay. So, you know, that type of thing. So she grew up hearing all the sales pitches. Correct. And paraphrase and this and that. Um, I, you have to learn and master that stuff exactly like you learn and master haircutting. The thing that I believe, and I, and I believe this for you, and I believe this for John, and I believe this for a lot of successful hairstylists. The thing that makes a script different from an authentic conversation and listening experience is the intentionality that you put behind it. And as I watch and listen to you two interact, I mean, I was just standing here taking pictures of you and you were able to get your heads together and you were so in the conversation that I went away. Level two. <laughs> right. And that is the thing. So when you talk about the levels, you know, there's the practice part first. And I guess what I want to say is you have practice that you're going to have some successes and failures. Oh, absolutely. Right. Eventually that thing that we at first use as a strategy or a tool eventually becomes the type of communication. I tease John all the time because at the end of every question, he'll say to me, well, he'll say it to everybody. So it's not me. He'll, he'll say, you know, Hey, I was thinking, you know, we're going to, could we try this? Is that okay with you? And I tease him all the time. I'll go, you can't use that salesman mind bullshit on me. I fucking know this stuff. Like I've been doing it. But the difference is with John and he knows it and I know it. He's really genuinely asking, is that okay with Correct. you? So you can give some feedback if, if there's feedbacks necessary. And so as a, as a hairdresser, if you're listening to Oscar and he's sharing these strategies, understand that that's just to give you a framework so that you can be successful in your intentionality. If your intention for this person is to take money from them, oh. then it's sleazy. Then you are selling. Then you're that thing that you probably dislike. Well, or when, trying you're, when you're chasing money, you'll never get it. Right. Mm -hmm. But when your intention is, no, like this person's in my chair, I need to connect with her as deep as I can, as fast as I can. Correct. And now I'm going to happen to use this system so, so she can understand that I'm sitting here and hearing her. Mm -hmm. That's when strategy meets intention meets you know execution. And now this person, the net result of the whole thing is this person feels great. Correct. I think it goes to the, one of the other things you teach in your class is it creates trust. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about that a little bit because I know that that's an important part of your leadership program. Why is trust important? How do we lose it as salon owners? Well, it's not just salon owners. It's every person on the team, in sure. my opinion. And I think some people give blind trust. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like that for many years. Is I'll give, I'll give you trust till you give me a reason not to. Yeah, I'm the same person. I'll trust you first yeah. until you lose it. And then other people are like, no, you got to earn my trust right. from day one. So you got both sides of that coin all the time. But I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know if we're taught how to trust people, especially 
whatever life circumstances happen to you for you to build your wall. Right. You know, that's a huge thing why people put up their walls is because something happened mm -hmm. and they couldn't trust somebody, so therefore they can't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think working through that, and it's not it's not a 10-minute thing. It's not a one-day thing. It's, sure. a, it's a commitment mm -hmm. to wanting to get there. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, just because somebody dumped on an owner one time doesn't mean everybody's going to. Right. So, and owners, I love you. I got mad respect for you because you get dumped on often. Mm. And it's easy to fall back and say, F it, screw these people, I'm done, or whatever. Right. Let but them figure it out themselves. I think trust <laughs> is, is gained yeah. and earned. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to give it automatic as well. Mm -hmm. And even, with some missed, even if some things happen, I can still trust you if we can communicate our way through it. Right. And I think, like you said, the communication, the trust have to go hand in hand. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I think it makes sense for this podcast. You know, once upon a time, I had taken my staff to a retreat. We had done a retreat with a consulting service I was working with at the time. And the people that were working with, they took me out of the room, you know, and they had a, a private conversation with my team. And after the, the session was done, you know, my coach came over and said, hey, John, oh, your team is so great. And I was like, thanks. He goes, yeah, they're just amazing. I mean... His words, they take a bullet for you. I said, they do? And it kind of made me feel all mushy inside, right? He said, yeah, but they don't trust you. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, how do you put those two things yeah. together? Because I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, how, how can you take a bullet for me and at the same time not trust me? And so I asked him to explain. And he's like, he goes, I'm not talking about the kind of trust that comes from leaving your wallet on the back table. They'll leave their money out. They trust that you'll pay them every two weeks. You know, they know they'll get their tips at the end of the night. It's not that kind of trust we're talking about. But tell me about the bathroom vanity that's a little too high on the wall that you said you would drop down another foot. Uh, when were you going to do that? And I was like, I was going to do that like a year ago. Yeah. Right. And tell me, were you going to get some like, now he knows the answers Correct, to these questions. They already he's laid it on me, him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, the about, witness. <laughs> tell me about these rubber mats you were going to get. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, what we do, I think, is we, we take on so much and we want people to be happy. We say we're going to do something. We have all the best intentions in the world. We don't do it. We don't follow through. Trust falls in the toilet. Yeah. And so now as your leader, and I'm, you know, yeah, you're going to pay me every two weeks well, because you kind of have to. But this vision you have for where our company's going and what we're going to do and how we're going to be awesome, yeah, I don't believe you. Correct. You know, and trust just falls apart. Until your tongue in the mouth aligns with the tongue in your shoe, we're right. not walking anywhere. I and think I, of I, a word. Yeah, go ahead, please. I think of a word, and it, in one word you sum it up. Mm -hmm. Trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Trustworthy. Mm -hmm. What would I have to do? What actions would I have to follow through on in order to be worthy of your trust? Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's that simple. That's powerful. And, and you can ask yourself that question. Well, right? here's the other thing. Ask somebody else that question. You know, Because you wouldn't have found that information from yeah, your team. Yeah. <laughs> Walk up to somebody you're having a, a challenge with or is having a challenge with you maybe, and I would love to be able to ask that question. What would it take for me to be worthy of your trust? Mm -hmm. What do I have to do? What, what's needed? And nobody's going to say, give me a million dollars. I'm sure there's somebody. Let's not get carried away. But 99.99% of the population, when you're open and transparent like that, is going to say, you know, here's where I'm stuck, right? Mm -hmm. I, I love when you put communication and trust together yep. in your leadership program. makes me want to go see it um, <laughs> because I think those two things have to go hand in hand. Correct. One and if, does, if one breaks down, you got both problems. Yeah, both fall apart. Yeah. When you see people leave your program and leave your class, uh, what do they walk away with, do you think? What, what's the most impactful thing that you see them walking out with? I don't think they're even conscious of the lesson sometimes immediately. Mm -hmm. What they did leave with like is some ahas of like, A, we got to have fun again. Mm -hmm. And I think you know once we get our business hats on so strong sometimes, we just forget how to have fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like trying to dial you back to your five-year-old finger-painting mm -hmm. self. Sure. But along our lives somewhere, we weren't allowed to have fun anymore for some reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a tough sell to sell fun, yeah. you know, to a business owner. But yeah, how much why, money can I make off of that? But right? why? Yeah, what's my ROI on that? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how much you want, to, how much effort you want to put into how it. About happy people. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. What, what you're different because you brought this event into your business where nobody else would. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think people are just, they're happy and they're fun. I think people realize that, wow, I got some issues myself that sure. I can clean up. They're not major, mm -hmm. but we're not aware of them until we're aware of them. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the challenges that I put the people through, your stuff comes out in mm -hmm. some cases. Right. Your nastiness, like, what are you doing it that way for? You know, yeah. And they panic and it's stressful and I give them time limits sometimes because I'm pushing. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't want them to break, but we have to find what our learning curve is. And, and then I teach these concepts called when is it good enough? I teach a model called um, the sounding model where many times when we are allowed to offer ideas, mm -hmm. we get smashed and crashed by the alphas, the aggressors, or the mm -hmm. loudest person. But in my sounding model, everybody's allowed to have a voice mm -hmm. and nobody's allowed to poo-poo on their idea. Mm -hmm. And then I create consensus versus majority where everybody has to take a vote how sure. we're gonna do this particular activity. Mm -hmm. I teach a seven-step um, problem-solving system. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know that they're learning all this stuff, even though we go back to the book. But my my workbook is not page numbered. Mm -hmm. There is a page one, two, three, and mm -hmm. it's a, you know consecutive. But sure. I teach as stuff shows up in the event. Right. So I put them through a challenge, and this might show up. I'm like, go to this page. It's behind this. Right. And we'll teach what just happened. You mm -hmm. guys want to know what just happened, and then we'll go back to the workbook. Right. So it's very experiential. And it's a it's a really powerful program, but when they leave, they I think they have more confidence, mm -hmm. and they have they what they have is a greater understanding of who they work with and the personalities that they work with, because you know even the person who's joyful all the time they didn't understand some things that showed up from these things, and I think they're able to become a stronger team and work, and have a more fulfilled day in life in the industry. Dude, awesome. I I know that we're super happy that we're sitting down with you right now, and we're burning through time. So it, since understand. you since you just kind of shared a little bit about what the what's of what your program is, how do we find you if we're inter I'm listening, I'm interested. So my website is www.breakingdownyourwalls.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as Breaking Down Your Walls, and on Instagram as Your Walls Broken. Ah, love that. Fantastic. <laughs> and many of our walls are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, typically how we start to wind our podcast down. Well, first of all, I want to ask, do you, have, do you have any other burning questions that we have to get out before we... Well, we're already 55 minutes into this podcast. I know. And it's we try to keep them we, at an hour. We, I know. You know what? We're not good at that. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, we're, we're just, just so you know, not good at yeah, it. That it's makes just, us great conversations. Well, we just meet these great people. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, that said, typically, Oscar, so you know, as we, you know, we wind our podcast down. So I'm going to ask John to share a little bit about what he's taken away from this conversation. Okay. And then, Fantastic. Uh, and then for you. The people that are sitting in their cars right now are everywhere from hair school student to salon owner to everything in between okay. to, you know, we have some stylists that are amazing people that work in our salon group that have been behind the chair 30 years and almost almost 30 years inside of the company that Brian Purdue started. Amazing. Right. And so it's, you know, we have a lot of incredible people from the newest to the heaviest hitters. And, you know, if there's anything you felt like we were left on the table or if there's any kind of an inspirational message that you want to leave them with. So, John, what... You know, uh, I, I just want to kind of reflect on this whole podcast here. And, and you know, Oscar, you, you helped bring this out today. As more and more time goes by and more and more of those podcasts that we do get under our belt, you know, it just kind of reaffirms. For, I don't know if it even reaffirms is the word I want to use because I don't think I knew it before we started this journey. So I'll take that back. You know, listening to the story, you're talking about your dad, right? And, and Chris, I know, you know, your, your family's in the business. You got brothers, you got sisters, you know, your dad all cutting hair. I have a new cousin. I'll tell you all you about it. You got a new cousin cutting yeah, hair now, too? No, no, no. I have a new cousin oh. that we never knew about. Oh, wow. Awesome. Who's a police chief in Philly, which is amazing. But he's not cutting hair. No, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I've just, like, literally, we all found out we have a new cousin. That's it's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, we've been talking to folks who have gone through cancer. We have gone through, we're talking folks who have gone through, you know, passing of parents and children. And it, it just reminds me that, in the end, we are all a connected group of people. Correct. What I like about this group of people, which I mean hairdressers and the people in the beauty industry, is we're so willing to share all that. Yeah. And I, the more we share, the more I learn over this one year of podcasting, I'm a better person because of these conversations. So I want to say thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank um, you. Thank you very much. And Chris, I'm going to say thank you to you because... I kind of like you. Um. Thank you. <laughs> if I could piggyback Get on out. what you just said, yeah. your takeaways from these type of things. You yeah. know, I have a 
a, vi a live video webinar series called Creating Smart Salon Spas mm -hmm. and Stylists, yep. S-M-A-R-T, for service marketing, attitude, retail, and team. Mm -hmm. And it's two 90-minute live video webinars per month for six months for a total of 12 calls. And I have the Gino, I have Gino Stampora and awesome. Nikki Lee and yep. Paul DeGrigley. These are all my guest speakers over the series. And I get to be a student every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And granted, I created the environment platform for that, but I just look forward to those so much. Right. Because I just I want to be that sponge, and mm -hmm. you know, my dad told me when I got in this business, this, this business is forever changing, and if you're not changing with it, you're going to be changed. And he told me that you know, if you if you're not changing your clients, your clients are changing you. But what he really powerfully said to me, he goes, the day you think you know it all in this business mm -hmm. is the day you better get out because of how often we change. Fast forward several years later, he said, I'm done, I'm getting out, son. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's not that I think I know it all. I'm just not willing to learn anymore. Huh. And I'm like, you can't go out any more powerful than that, Pops. Yeah. You got my blessings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's Thanks. fantastic. And that's just, I think I could end it with that. That's the power of that. You have to keep chasing the information and the education. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Well, we know if you were sitting in your car and listening to this, you just have a, a world of knowledge that just got shared with you. Mm -hmm. uh, Oscar, we thank you for sitting with us if, in your car. The listener, we thank you for hanging in there for another long for episode. <laughs> I think they're always going to be long from here on out yeah. so you'll just have there's to there's value man that's great value yeah, it's a beautiful thing so um until next time we will see you on the next podcast bye everybody thank you everyone cheers thank you Chop.